This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you first started doing your life coaching, did you do it like in person or who was like your first clients and, and things like that? It was that? always over the, oh, well, I mean, when I was in real estate, I was doing it with my friends that I worked with mm. and some of the, my employees I had, I remember it was a married couple that worked for me and they were having problems. And so they came and sat in my office and we talked about a bunch of things and, and, uh, so I was just doing it as to help people out. But when I, after I'd written my book and started, then yeah, I was doing everything over the phone. Because with a uh, with a Skype connection and a and a phone number, you can literally work from anywhere. I could be. I even did phone sessions from the beach a couple times, but obviously it's windy. Sometimes your cell service would be a little spotty, and you need a real good um, Skype signal, full power signal to be able to reach. You know, in other words, to under understand what the other guy is saying. So that was those are kind of difficult. I ended up you know sitting in my car <laughs> at the beach talking and doing some phone sessions but it was always over the phone because it's like if the the thing if you're doing like in person Mm. it's you know a lot of times it's like you can't get people to leave sometimes it's even hard to get people off the phone because i I schedule people back to back and it's hard to get people off the phone because they want to keep asking questions or they just you know want to talk to me because they've always want to talk to me or whatever right but you know, I, I'm not a therapist. I'm not a psychologist. I have zero desire to do anything like that. I'm strictly a coach that focuses on outcomes. People come in, come to me like, this is my outcome. This is what I want to get. And my job is to help them come up with a plan and a strategy to make that happen. And then did you start doing YouTube videos afterwards, or what was the purpose <clears throat> of the, the Well, I started, I, you know, I went into detail in, uh, where is it, my first, second book. I went into detail in my second book, Mastering Yourself, and went through that that whole process of how I got into it. It's like, because to me, I wrote the book, and I, at the time, I was thinking, hey, I'll do public speaking maybe, and do events, and I'll have my books, I'll have products to sell, and then consulting, doing coaching. And so that was my thinking originally. And then I started advertising, like putting full page ads. And I think it was like men's fitness was one of the ones I was, I was advertising in. I think we did one at penthouse. Cause you figure, Hey, a guy's looking at penthouse magazine or Playboy of those. It's probably cause he doesn't have a lot of women in his life. And this was before like internet porn just took off and is as pervasive as it yeah. is today. But yeah. so I was running ads and I might spend 10 grand on an ad and, bring back five or six grand in, in revenue. So it wasn't mm-hmm. as, you know, or a television doing like an infomercial type thing because that worked real well in real estate. But when you're selling a $300,000 house and you're doing the loan and the real estate commission, you can bring in twenty twenty two thousand dollars $22,000 in the commissions between the two. And so if you're spending 50 grand a month for television advertising, you know, infomercials and 30-second spots in the news and stuff like that, you only need like two, three transactions like that every month and you completely cover... You're not, but if you're selling a $30 book, you got to sell thousands of books in order to recoup enough money and coaching and everything else, and it just wasn't profitable. And so then, I, you know, I started experiment with Google Pay-Per-Click, and uh, that was kind of in its infancy at the time, and then 
I remember when I was I was working at this sports bar for about ten months to sup to give myself some extra money because I was making enough. I was profitable. I was only bringing in like two or three grand a month, I think, at the time. And it wasn't like I go out and live extravagantly on. <clears throat> it wasn't like I go out and live extravagantly on that that type of money. So I need you know when you do a pay per click campaign, I mean you can blow hundreds or thousands of dollars literally in seconds and click. So I was trying to get traffic to the website and see will people buy the book? Do they sign up for the email list and being able to test the site? So I was working like three days a week, ten and bar or not ten and bar, waiting tables only. And um, I might bring home 100, 150 bucks. And then the next day, I'd, I had a little office, one of those little office suites. You spend like a 250, 300 bucks for a little 10 by 10 office. So I'd make my videos in there and do my coaching. And I'd work with my web developer and I'd set up a campaign and send a bunch of traffic and then see what happens. So I might work an eight hour shift and go home with 150 bucks. And I was like 39 years old at the time. And uh, and then blow it in a matter of minutes the next day doing a pay-per-click campaign just to, right. to test the website, to test the conversion rate and figure out the right way to market it. And then, you know, things were kind of dragging on. I wasn't really – it's like I, I, every time I spent money, I was I was still losing money. I spent $1,000, I might get back five 600 bucks. So it was – every time I advertised, it was I was still losing money. And then so there were other things I wanted to talk about, and I was thinking, you know, the years are rolling by at this point. So now I'm 40. My book was finished in January, February of 2006, and now it's four years. And I'm waiting tables, and I was hating life. I did not want to be there. And so it's like when you're, you're backed up against the wall like that, and you don't have tens of thousands of dollars on a monthly basis at your disposal like I did when I was in real estate – it, it forces you to be frugal. It forces you to think outside the box. And then so I started, you know, because I didn't like the idea of writing e- and like an email newsletter. I started doing that and then um, sending those out. And then I started, I, I converted my website to a WordPress website and I started writing articles. Mm. And I had the Google Analytics code embedded on my website. And so I just started writing about other things like, you know, how to get any job you want. I, I wrote an article about that, about negotiating. I wrote some articles on health and some other things. And, uh, you know, I started answering the questions that people were sending in through email. And uh, so at the time, I was just doing it all written. And then um, about 2010, I remember I got myself my my first HD camera. And I had that background, the Corey Wayne, the CW background, that original. The OG. Back, yeah, the original background in the day. And I started um, just figuring, hey, I'll, I had all that equipment for like a year. I was Because my background in television, uh, you know, we were doing infomercials and commercials. So I was like, what am I going to talk about? What am I going to say in a video? Well, what's going to add value? I was trying to figure all that stuff out. This was before... Um, you know, podcasts and all that stuff. I think in 2010 was probably when Joe Rogan actually started doing his podcast. And he was just fucking around with some friends of his. Like, hey, I just get together with my buddies and we'll make a podcast for the hell of it, just for fun. Right. And it grew into what it is. And um, so I, I was experimenting with, you know, writing articles. And I started doing like three or four a week. And then over the course of a couple of months as I was doing that, and then I was doing like, you know, one a day, like at least five days a week. And so I would take the email and I would put my comments in. You know, I would type them in. I put them in bold, just like you guys see on the website today. 
And and then I figured, you know what? I'm gonna as a value add because I know some people are auditory. I'll do these videos. I never because at the time it's like if you're gonna do well on YouTube. The only thing you saw was like I don't know if you ever saw that famous video where like the little boys in the back seat and his little brother bites his finger and he's like, oh Joey bit my finger or something like that. And I got millions and millions of views. I just figured it was a viral video. That's all you can really do with YouTube. And uh, so I started doing these videos and, and just going through the emails and then just adding the video embed code to the top of my article just to go along and add value for people that... And so what people were doing is they would listen to the, me talk as they were kind of reading the article. And, you know, when I was... I blogged for about a year just doing that, and I just kept seeing my traffic go up. And I started getting more and more people booking phone sessions. My book sales started going up, my email... List started growing, and people were going, oh, yeah, I found Jen Google. Oh, yeah, I found Jen Google. Every time I talked to somebody on the phone, because I would always ask them, how'd you hear about me? Right. And then probably maybe four or five months after I started doing YouTube videos, it seemed like every time I talked to somebody, how'd you find out? I'm like, oh, I found you on YouTube. And my videos back then were getting like 50, 100 views. It was like nothing. And I got people in the comments going, you suck. Nobody's watching these. Why are you wasting your time doing them? And and I, I just kept doing them because I was, I was getting business off of it. And then I remember it got to the point where almost 100% of the people I was talking to were all came from YouTube videos. And I thought, well, I can make a video quicker than I can write an article. If I, when I take an email and pick out the images and write the article and publish it, that's like a four- or five-hour process. So I can make a video. It takes me about a half hour to to find an email out of the, all the ones I get that I like and come up with a title and come up with a description and everything. And then film and editing is, is pretty quick. Cause, and um, so I could bang out uh, a video like an hour, hour and 20 minutes from like start to finish to where it's published and then I can walk away and then Jennifer can pick it up from there. And so I stopped blogging for, that would have been... 20 really probably a year and a half two years that's why people are on the email list will say hey i got you know these links but there's no article there's no email to go along with this video that you got and so that was about a, a two-year period i didn't do any blogging until i hired jennifer and then she started doing those again because people really like that they like to be able to look at the email and my comments in it while they're watching the video or, or listening to the video so um what that's basically how it evolved. And I had a period of about six months where I remember I was doing like, I think it was f- six videos a day, four days a week. So it was like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I was just, you know, I would get a question from somebody and I would answer it in a video. And when I did that, I really saw a dramatic increase in the subscribers and, you know, book sales increased and I started getting more coaching and um, and then I cut it back down. I think I started doing Monday, Wednesday, and Friday when I got a sizable following, and then it just kept kept growing. And then I mon- turned on the monetization, and I think when I turned on monetization, um, at least back then, it, I think it quadrupled the amount of subscribers I was getting literally from one day to the next. You can see it just goes, it's it just a spike in my subscribers. Eesh. And then, um, I don't know, a year later, I got a, a partner manager. They assigned me a partner manager, and they said, hey, you should do thumbnails for all your videos. I did that. That increased the subscribers by 50%. And then plus they verified me. Um, and so that made it made a big difference. So it was just turning on the ads and then having, you know, the basic thumbnails that I still have to this day, you know, the gray thumbnail with my, my picture on it. And uh, Are you ever just, thinking of changing that? 
it works. But everybody knows that is the it's video you. newsletter because yeah. when I do other thumbnails, the, the video won't get as – they all go, oh, it's one of those other videos. Yeah. You know? <laughs> You're, I, I'm the same way. It's like I, I love the OG videos. Like, yeah. It's classic. So it's, that's, that was one thing I, I learned a hard lesson early on. It's like when you have something that really works in business and then you go and change it hmm. and then you see a negative impact in your income or your revenue – a lot of business owners get caught up in their ego and are like, no, no, no we're going to figure out a way to make this new thing work. Or what's trending. And then you don't change. Right. And so that happened to me in real estate where I'd be stubborn. It's something I had changed our advertising to wasn't working. And, you know, me being the mindset, I didn't make a mistake. I can, I can do I can turn this around or I can change, you know, keep changing things. And so that, that mistake alone cost me hundreds of thousands of dollars over the course, uh, you know, over the next year or so. And, uh, and so you, you learn expensive lessons. And so that formula with those thumbnails, everybody knows those, they know what that video is going to represent. That's why I don't really, I don't, I don't change those. If I do any other kind of video, it would have a negative effect Mm. on the amount of views that that video would get. And when you first started, um, you said that it was kind of a struggle. Did you know that you were going to make money out of this or were you doing it because you're super passionate about it or? I figured you know, hey, I, I was making like half a million a year when I got out of real estate. I was like, six months a year, I'm a pretty smart dude. I'm successful. I got all this track record of success. I've done well financially. Six months a year, I'll be right back to where I was. Maybe two years tops. <laughs> Four years later, I'm sleeping on my dad's couch, <laughs> waiting tables at a sports bar. And uh, it's like when you get, you know, you get into that, that kind of a situation, it if I was forced to be frugal mm. and that was a good thing because it, it finally allowed me to let go of the way I used to advertise and market, which it was changing because of the internet. And plus, you know, trying to sell uh, expense, you know, $300,000 house versus a $30 book. You only have to sell a few houses to recoup your ad dollars. Mm. But if you're selling books, you got to sell thousands of them t- just to recoup the cost for, you know, for a simple ad campaign. You know, I mean, you can do the math. If you're blowing ten grand a month, you know, a thirty dollar book, and that's that includes the cost of printing the book and shipping the book and everything. So you're not making right. thirty bucks. You're maybe making ten dollars, yep. twelve dollars on, on each one. And so it's like I wasn't selling nearly enough of them to recoup my money. And so I had a hard time letting go of what I knew worked because it had served me well for you know the better part of a decade. And you know, I didn't really understand the internet and how to market successfully in the internet at the time. It was all trial and error. And so it's, it, I was forced to change. And that's the beauty of life. Eventually, you're going to hit the wall if you're doing something wrong. And you don't have a choice. So I didn't, I didn't have, you know, 10, 15, 20, 50,000 dollars a month available to throw against the wall like I had a few years before to figure this stuff out. And so when you're waiting tables and you're coming home with 150 bucks, that's all you got. You know, I didn't have credit cards or lines of credit or anything like that that I could borrow, which would be stupid to do anyways. And so when you're standing on your legs for eight hours and you make 150 bucks, you're going to be a lot more diligent in how you spend that money versus if, you know, you're bringing in tens of thousands of dollars a month. It's, that's why you look at like a company like Facebook. Mm-hmm. They've done so well the last few years because of the economy or Twitter for that matter. I mean, Elon fired like 70% of his people. 80, yeah. 80% of his people, and a website works better than it ever has. Yeah. And so 80% of those people weren't doing anything that was productive that made Twitter 
a success. Right. And he's, you know, a few months away. I mean, last maybe he's, he's there now. He's only a few months away from breaking even. Yep. Whereas they, they were going to go bankrupt within the next year. That's why they were holding his feet to the fire and wanting him to close the deal. Because, you know, the, the numbers just didn't work. They were, they were going to run out of money and, and go bankrupt anyways. Right. And um, so, like I said, that I, I was forced to. It wasn't because I was some marketing genius. It's like what worked for me in the past, because that's why success isn't always the greatest teacher. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the, you learn, typically learn more from your failures and what doesn't work, because the success makes you cocky. You're like, eh. It's like I was, when I first got into it, I was like, six months, a year, I'm really smart, and I'm more successful than most people. I can, you know, I'll be right back where I was, making a couple hundred grand a year. Right. And four years later, I'm waiting tables, taking home 150 bucks a night, you know, three nights a week. And then every penny that I made, it's going right back into it. I was trying to keep my expenses low. I didn't even want to drive my, I had a BMW X5, and it was kind of out of warranty then. So anytime I had a problem with it, it was automatic two, three grand Eesh. to fix. Yeah. No matter what it was, you know, I had the alternator broke. It was like two grand, 2,500 or whatever. You know, and so at the time, I only typically had three or four grand in my bank account. It was like, so you like hit the reset every time something breaks. So I yep. wasn't even driving. I was being frugal with how I ate. I wasn't even hardly dating at all that at at the time because I was, hey, I'm gonna be out of here in a couple of months. Six months, I'll be out of here. Yeah. Four yeah. years later, I'm finally I, I moved moved back to Orlando, but it's like I had to had to strip away everything that I knew from the past because it didn't apply. It didn't apply to this this new business, and um, and then just slowly built on it. And things were always changing. So it's like blogging was really huge around 2010, 2011, 2012. And you could see the traffic from as social media took off, just the Google searches went down. But the traffic I was getting from YouTube and other platforms started to go up until I started getting shadow banned when Trump went into office. And I didn't right. think it was that bad at first. It was really in the last year that I really saw how bad the, the shadow ban had been and how much it had damaged my business. Yeah, which really fucking pisses me off, and I, I want revenge for that. <laughs> I'm going to get it eventually.